Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. I'm Ryan Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. We have finally made it to the SEC in our head coach rankings week. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the other conference rankings in our feed. And also subscribe because next week we're going to have an episode where we rank the top 20 coaches overall in college football. And uh, might be a few SEC coaches on that list. Yeah, quite a few. <laughs> Let's start, though, with uh, the worst coach in the SEC for now. Just getting started there, but Ryan, who do we have? Yeah, that's that's going to be tough, tough hole to climb out of. Uh, that is Clark Lee uh, at Vanderbilt, um, two and ten in his first year there. Uh, they barely got those two wins versus Colorado State and the powerhouse UConn team. Uh, those were very close games. Um, they did lose by twenty to East Tennessee State. That was not good. Um, so dead last on the field, dead last in recruiting in the conference. But it's improved tough, tough recruiting. Spot. Improved. No, but still did last. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, he was good as the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, but it's just, I, I don't know. How do you put him higher than this? Yep. Yep. You can't. All right. So number 13, we have Shane Beamer of South Carolina. And after the season the Gamecocks had last year, you almost naturally think Beamer might be a little bit higher on this list, but the list is just, it's so deep. Uh, I did like how the team rallied around him. They won the Mayo Bowl, but really most metrics indicated that they weren't all that great. Uh, but hey, he maximized their production. Good for him. Now they got Spencer Rattler coming in. Still have quite a ladder to climb, but to get the Gamecocks in the mix. But it'll be—I'll be interested to see kind of what he does in the next season or two. Even though he's low on this list, I'd—I'd I'd still be pretty excited as a Gamecock fan. I had him—I had him a spot higher. Fair, yeah. I mean. If you're a South Carolina fan right now, you're feeling great about Shane Beamer. And that's pretty much everybody on this list, I would say, is feeling great about their head coach, except for number 12, <laughs> except this guy, Brian Harson at Auburn. Did a good job at, at Boise State, uh, but he inherited such a steady program there that, you know, Dirk Cutter, uh, Dan Hawkins, Chris <clears throat> Peterson, everyone had been winning and, and he, you know, continued it, but it's hard to, to know how much to value that. So, Looking a lot at, at what he's doing at Auburn, and first year on the field wasn't very good, six and seven. Recruiting was their worst recruiting ranking in 13 years, so not a lot positive to say. And of course, this past offseason, apparently he didn't make friends with the right people because there was a, a kind of a movement yeah. to try and get him fired. Didn't work, but uh, certainly didn't help his uh, reputation or his ability to recruit there moving forward, which already wasn't going well, the, the recruiting aspect. So Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's hamstrung now. That's tough, man. Um, all right, let's move on, though, to number 11. We have uh, Eli Drinkwitz uh, from Missouri. Um, he was 12-1 and in his first year, his one year at App State. So he got off to a good start as a head coach. Um, he's got a good uh, um, history as being an offensive coordinator, including at NC State. And here at Mizzou, two bowl games in two years. You know, they barely made him, but they made him. Um, you know, he's done a good job though. I'll say with recruiting, um, he's got the number 15 class coming in this, this year, including the number three overall player, a wide receiver, uh, Luther burden from, uh, East St. Louis. Um, you know, so us putting him at 11th is not, you know, it doesn't, is not indicative of saying like, or it's not us trying to say he's a bad coach. That's in this tough conference. That's actually respectable. I mean, I think he could do a good job there. It's just, when you look at it, it's just so hard to rank these guys there's so many good ones yep 
All right, moving on to number 10, Josh Heupel of Tennessee. He probably has the potential, I think, to move the most on this list next year if Tennessee can match or exceed some of the high expectations that they have upcoming. But no matter what, you have to give him credit. Um, kind of most labeled this hire as a, as no win for for him or Tennessee with potential sanctions, uh, and and he was kind of low on their list. He was viewed as that that stepping stone coach, but man, he made Tennessee's offense very potent. Should be really strong again this year with Hendon Hooker. He also had uh, two t- double digit wins pr- previous uh, at UCF to 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 factor in. So Heupel is pretty solid at number ten. Yeah, and the biggest question with him maybe heading into the job was recruiting, and now with yeah the NIL collective, that doesn't seem like it'll be a big problem. We'll we'll see, but. Uh, number nine on our list is Mike Le- Mike Leach, excuse me, at Mississippi State. Obviously, did a great job at Texas Tech and Washington State, and at Mississippi State, <clears throat> I'd say it's too early to to draw any conclusions, but does seem to have them headed in a, a good direction. I think the reason he's so low on this list is that the guys above him all have higher upside, in my opinion. Mike Leach has proven he can get above average results at below average programs but i think there's a reason no really elite programs have been super interested in interested in him i question his his upside in terms of recruiting i want to see him at a yeah. higher school because he's done so well with these low schools which is why i had him higher than you guys i put him at sixth um he's been a head coach for 20 years now that in and of itself is a heck of an accomplishment, just being a head coach for that many years. And in those 20 years, he's only missed a bowl game twice. Um, and then you consider the fact he's been at Texas Tech and Wazoo and even Mississippi State. Just That's an amazing, just two of those years, considering those programs and how hard it is to win at those programs. And now, currently, we're talking about Mississippi State. I like him coming come and to keep improving. Will Rogers is coming back. He had a great year last year and kept getting better and better. Um, you know, they did go seven and six last year. They had three losses by a field goal or less. Uh, I would, you know, if you look back at his Texas Tech tenure and his Wazoo tenure, took him two to three years before he really got the ball rolling at each school. I, I really don't see why he's not going to do that in Mississippi State. The recruiting is good enough. He, like you said, he doesn't recruit elite, but his, his recruiting is a little different. He knows what he's doing, but it's it's good enough to where he can have that Mike Leach effect and get them to eight eightish wins and every uh, maybe uh, every handful of years just really have a good year. Yeah, and I think ninth, like we said, we keep saying, but it's pretty good. He's yeah. ahead of some guys I feel pretty good about. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's move on to uh, number eight, a guy who's really jumped up uh, from where he was a couple of years back, even last year, uh, Sam Pittman at Arkansas. Um, nine and four, nine and four this past season, a very strong year. Um, even followed that up after a good first year that he had, even though the record didn't really show it, but they were a much improved team, even in Pittman's first year. Um, recruiting has been, has been pretty solid. It's not maybe elite, but they are off to a good start for the 2023 class, which is encouraging. Um, now they, they seem to have found their quarterback, KJ Jefferson. So he's coming back this year. Um, he, he had a great year last year, leading, helping win helping them lead to nine wins. So I think they're going to have another solid team. I'm not sure if he can replicate nine, but um, in a short amount of time, he's he's done a, a good job turning around his image and the Arkansas program. Yeah, but I think the biggest 
thing for him is he's done a very good job surrounding himself with good coordinators and good coaches. So you have to like the trajectory that he's, he's put them on uh, considering he didn't inherit a whole lot. So now we're just going to kind of see if nine wins is his ceiling or not. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be interested to see when, if, or when Kendall Bryles takes another head coaching job or, I mean, Barry Odom, seems happy there for now maybe and he had a, a failed coaching tenure already so not that it was that bad at missouri he did fine but uh yeah. but yeah if if is he able to cycle through coordinators that's the next question but maybe he won't need to yep <clears throat> all right number seven billy napier of florida napier he, he was a little tough to to grade just considering we've all thought very highly of him when he was at louisiana but now he's jumping into the deep end uh with the gators and and in the sec I think outsiders uh, or the, the casual fan might might have put him towards the bottom. But the fact that he was picky, waited for a job like this, makes me somewhat confident he can make this work as he was kind of betting on himself. He, he brought it in, you know, when he was at the Sun, in the Sun Belt, he brought in the best classes that conference had seen. Don't see why he couldn't land good classes at Florida because, uh, you know, Florida generally also kind of recruits itself. He had a 33-5 and record the last three seasons with two bull wins very impressive no matter where you are. And I mean, Michael, you had him a touch higher than us. I mean, is it more your obsession with him or are you, are you more confident (laughs) it'll pan out? It's, it's both. Yeah. I'm just, I am, I love Billy Napier. I just really believe in him as, as a coach. Cause just like guys, you know, guys like Kirby smart and Mario Cristobal, I think he's in that mold where he is a committed, relentless recruit recruiter. He's committed to building out, um, kind of that Saban model, I guess, where, where it's, it's, he's got a big staff and that's what he was waiting for, right? Like he, it seemed like he was the top guy on every SEC school's list. Every job that came up the past couple of years seemed like they all wanted Billy Napier. And like you said, he was patient and he settled for Florida, not settled. He, he eventually chose Florida and they're going to invest in him. And I think it's going to go really well. Um, Two top twenty finishes in a row at Louisiana is is crazy, and now with more resources, I think I think he'll build Florida up and do what Dan Mullen did not do. Maybe we don't know if he's as good a coach as Dan Mullen, but I feel pretty strongly that he's going to be a much better recruiter. Yeah, putting him top half of the SEC coaching list is quite an accomplishment for a coach that has not coached in the SEC. So, yeah. but I, I'm not saying I disagree, but that's. That's, that's it's aggressive. Guess. It's aggressive. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, aggressive. it's kind of calling yeah. our shot there, but yeah, a little bit. There's a reason every SEC or yeah. it seemed like every SEC school wanted him. You know? Yeah. So no, nope. we're high on him. All of us. You're higher than most, but number six, we have Mark Stoops of Kentucky. His first five years or so there were were fine, but they were actually kind of an identical record, almost identical to what they had been the previous five years. So. It was kind of slowly trending in, in the right direction after taking over for Joker Phillips and previously Rich Brooks, but I wasn't fully bought in after after those. You know, there was a couple seven and six seasons in there. It's like okay, that's fine, but I wasn't fully bought in. The last four years have gone extremely well, and that combined with the fact that they just pulled in a top fifteen recruiting class, yes. that is just a that's whole different level and giving them a whole different uh, upside than they had before. And not just upside because if you just continued winning the amount of games that he has the last four years, then that's great. But it would be hard to expect that if they didn't take a jump in recruiting and, and they've done that. So um, obviously you would prefer a much quicker turnaround, like a James Franklin at Vanderbilt or even (laughs) Sam Pittman at Arkansas. But you know, 
that it's still amazing what he's done there. So, um, yeah, I might have been too low on him previous couple of years, but I've, I think I've come around. I think you can settle with a slow turnaround when you're still like making bowl games. You know, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Right. You're not struggling and really that bad. So, yeah, Stoops is deserving, man. He's at Kentucky, not the easiest place to win, and he's got them strong. He's very consistent. I got to give him credit, man. He's figured it out, even with sometimes he doesn't have a quarterback that can throw, still wins games. All right, let's move on, though. We got number with, five. With Bowden, though. It was pretty fun to watch. Um, all right, number five. We have Lane Kiffin uh, from Ole Miss. Um, I, I guess I was the highest on him, huh, fellas? So that surprises me. I thought you guys would, or at least Michael would put him up. But I know. know. I Well, I mean, make your case, right? Because you, you had him ahead of yeah. the next guy. Should I just say who it is so we can kind of have a little discussion here? Sure. You had him ahead of Brian Kelly. So make mm-hmm. your make your case there. I I'm trying to think about it from the moment on. I mean, it, you kind of mentioned that earlier with like in the previous episode. You got to yeah. think from here on. Not that Kelly's not going to do great, but oh, he's at Ole Miss here. He he led them to their first ten win regular season ever. That's just an, an amazing accomplishment in his second year. Obviously done a great job. Um, recruiting is going pretty well, especially when you consider the transfer portal. He's hit hard on that and done done a great job. Um, even before at Ole Miss, he did a great job at FAU. Um, I like I like his on-field coaching. That may alter my uh, opinion a little bit of his ranking, just the fact that he's so aggressive. Um, I love his offensive style. He's fun to watch. Um, he's kind of w- with the, the new age, and he just kind of goes with the metrics, and it's just, I love it. Um, I don't know. I just think he's going to continue to have success. I don't see why he wouldn't, and maybe one time he'll leave there and go to even somewhere else, but... He, I just think he set up, set himself up for continued success. I don't disagree with anything you said. And Trey and I, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, we got a lot of crap in the comments in the SEC rankings episode for having Lane Kiffin ahead of Coach O. You know, it seemed crazy that oh. Coach O had won a national championship and we were higher on Lane Kiffin, but we just, we just believed in him. And it, that has ended up, there's plenty of rankings we had that turned out bad, but that ended up well. Um, so I, I can see the argument for him over, over Brian Kelly, but I just, I couldn't get there quite yet. Trey, why don't you make the case for Brian Kelly at fourth? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the only thing with Brian Kelly, I will say is, is the only difficult part of it is we don't know how he'll fit in the SEC, but everywhere he's been, he's won Grand Valley state, central Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Now he's getting into a little bit different region than those, but, but he's a winner at all those stops won 10 or more games the last five years at Notre Dame. We all know how tough it, you know, and to win at Notre Dame, there's a lot of pressure, hoopla. He start, and, and recently he started to up the recruiting there. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be the savior at LSU. It might take a couple years as he overhauls the roster, but given his track record, it's hard for me seeing a scenario where it just kind of bombs, especially with the talent that he's getting at LSU. Yeah. Yeah, and Ryan, your word of of this week has been longevity, and that's what yeah, that's what fair. did it for me. Putting Brian Kelly Brian Kelly over Lane Kiffin. If Lane Kiffin has another great year uh, with the the now a new quarterback, then maybe I can have him jump BK. But uh, but I will say one thing I'm curious about for for Brian Kelly is is how's the recruiting going to go? Is he going to be at the level that LSU is used to in that top five? Maybe it's it's getting right. competitive with so many yeah. great coaches at, at great recruiting schools. But, That's kind uh, of the thing that worries me just a bit. It's LSU. It's it seems like it's less with the competitiveness able to just sell itself. Um, I, maybe I don't to know to the it, extent it has in the past. It seems like 
We'll see. But I will say one we'll thing see. that does rec- worry me slightly. Again, I had Brian Kelly fourth, so I'm kind of arguing against it, but I had him here, is that Notre Dame seems to have upped his recruiting since he left. Now, maybe it was yeah. kind of heading on that <laughs> path anyway, but Marcus Freeman yeah. is killing it there in a way that yeah. Brian Kelly was not quite able to on the recruiting front. There you go. Anyway, moving on to number three, Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M. First off, he inherited a kind of a down <clears throat> program at Florida State, quickly turned them around, had five straight double-digit win seasons, won a national championship, and then at A&M inherited a team that had averaged around 30th in SP Plus uh, the first couple of years before he got there. Um, and then year one under him, they were 11th. He's averaged 12th in SP Plus since he's been there, which is very good. They were one spot out of the playoff in 2020. I think there's there's I think maybe people wouldn't have Jimbo Fisher quite this high. Some people because they're like, well, he lost what was it, four games his first year, five yeah. his second year, something like that. But I think that the the brutal schedules his first couple years kind of masked the fact that yeah. he did. <clears throat> dramatically improved the team like if you look at the metrics the team got a lot better they had to play clemson in the non-conference both of those years like number one clemson so that i I think the the win-loss total was not quite indicative of how good they were and then but then 2020 he he had the win total you would want and and then he just oh i'm by the way i'm the the biggest thing he just brought in the greatest recruiting class of all time yeah exactly that has to count for something yeah you can't be bad with that. He's yeah. Their, their talent's really starting to be upperclassmen now. His classes, so they'll be good. All right, let's move on to number two. A clear and obvious number two here. We have Kirby Smart from Georgia. Just won a national title. Lost in overtime in another. Um, he's sixty-six and fifteen uh, there. Thirty-six and five the last five years in SEC play. Just killing it there and of course he's recruiting extraordinarily well top five classes every single year um really i think it's been four or better um in the last like three or four four years something like that so he's killing it he's done a great job the defense is always amazing um if he can maybe just get a little more offense even though their offense was pretty good but to get that elite level like bama's offense i mean pair it with his defense Woo! but you know clear number two and the thing that is amazing about him is <clears throat> he completely elevated Georgia to another level because, like, Mark Richt was very yeah. good. Like, Georgia was very good year in and year out. But the fact that he was able to take it one step further and be this elite is, is a testament to how good he, he is and, and on the recruiting front. And it happened quickly. Second year was a play away from the national title. Yeah. It happened very quickly. Yeah. yeah. So leads to number one, of course. I mean, a lot of suspense here. The GOAT, Nick Saban. Um, you know, we know all the accolades, the national titles, SEC titles. But, I, you know, I went back and looked at his year-by-year record at Alabama, and it's, it's just silly. I mean, only once since 2008 have they had a year where they had three losses. And, you know, the other thing is when you look at how long his coaching tree is, it, Alabama never misses a beat despite he loses a coordinator or two almost every season, and they're still just... They're relevant on offense and defense. Yeah, yeah. What it's happens amazing. if Kirby Smart beats him again and wins the SEC and no. he goes an out title? Still going to have Saban above him? Yeah, it's going to take more. It's going to take more than that. More than yeah. two years. I, mean, I mean, even last just year, this year, Saban, yeah. Saban beat him in the SEC title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The combined score of those games, <laughs> Alabama won. So, 
Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Kind of random that Georgia won the one that mattered more, but um, yeah. yeah. Either way, it's no, it would take, to answer your question, it would take at least a couple more years of Georgia beating Bama and probably convincingly for for that to to change. Uh, Yeah. And even that. Anyway. Let's get the, let's get a look at the full list here, uh, Ryan. What stands out to you? Um, it it just has to be the best group of coaches per any conference out there. I mean, there are some good coaches on this list that are way down that you would just be like, really? You have that guy, uh, Shane Beamer, at thirteen, and he just had a pretty inspiring first year and seems to have a lot of good things going. It's like, well, sorry. I mean, it's there's just so many other good coaches out there. Um, so that's that's just the immediate thing that comes out, and but. The other thing was just, you know, I think we we texted among this earlier, guys. It's just we agreed this wasn't the hardest conference to rank as far as coaches. It was it kind of came together relatively well. Sure, there were a couple where it's like, but overall, I was like, yeah, there were there was pretty clear things you could point to that made the list relatively easy to put together. Yep, it's it is the best. I would say maybe the Big Ten after having this whole rankings week, maybe the Big Ten was second, but I, I think the SEC is, is comfortably ahead. It kind of just goes hand-in-hand hand with the quality of the conference, you know? I mean... It does, yeah. It's what it is, right? And and it seems like... I mean, the SEC has upgraded um, their coaches in the, in the past couple of years. I mean, just Sam Pittman seeming to hit at Arkansas is crazy. Leach coming from, from Wazoo. Yeah. Um, Heupel, maybe, you know? Like yeah, Heupel is better than we expected, at least after year yeah. one. They just... Beamer, too. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, and and the top the top of it is insane because the top four there, you could argue, yeah. are four of the top like six or seven coaches overall in the oh, country. Yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say because I was gonna say that the top five isn't fair. Like Jim, uh, we know the top two, but then like Jimbo, Brian Kelly, Lane Kiffin, any of those guys would be in the top two or three of just about every other conference. It's amazing. Yeah pretty crazy well that'll do it for our head coach rankings week um be sure to subscribe like i said earlier because next week we're going to put all the coaches together add in the g5 and do the top 20 coaches overall let us know your thoughts in in the comments below your biggest disagreements in this sec rankings list i want to yeah i I do really want to know like who is too low who do we have too low it's going to be you think they're going to say napier's too high yeah that's fair that's fair we'll see we'll see anyway let us know and we'll see you next time you've been listening to the college football bros if you have any questions for the next podcast email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com to keep up with the brothers on social media like them on facebook at college football bros follow them on instagram at college football bros and for their commentary on saturdays Follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.